this is Craig Brown and welcome to Passages. Passages is a space to explore Bible passages used in churches for preaching, reflection, and prayer. My hope is that Passages will shine a unique light on text used in the lectionary in the coming weeks. Today's passage is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It happens to be the reading for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany in the year C cycle of the lectionary. It is one of the scripture readings for February 6, 2022. This episode of Jesus along the Sea of Galilee is a well-known episode in a variety of Gospels. It involves the the calling of Jesus' first disciples. And it opens with Jesus' teaching along the Sea of Galilee. In chapter 5, Luke opens up a series of episodes that focus less on Jesus' identity which was the focus of Luke chapter 4, and instead the focus in chapter 5 and onward moves toward the response to Jesus' preaching and to the very being of Jesus himself. Now, Jesus was preaching near the sea, and the crowd was pressing in on him, sending him toward the water. Now, our language here can often be a little confusing as we talk about this location in uh, English, uh, it's not, not a sea, it's actually a lake. Uh, a sea typically is made up of salt water, a lake, fresh water. In this case, the, the sea or the lake of Gennesaret is often called by Galilee, which is its other name. And as Jesus is preaching next to the lake, which is actually filled with fresh water, um, he is preaching in this kind of northwestern quadrant uh, along the Sea of Galilee. Uh, which was called Gennesaret, often to its local uh, local naming by those who lived near Capernaum. And as Jesus is preaching near the shore of the lake, the crowd keeps moving in more and more closely to him, which leaves him very little place to stand. And so Jesus notices that there are two boats that were used for overnight fishing nearby. And so Jesus moves into one of the two boats that was used for fishing, and he pushes off from shore just a little bit. Now, these boats were used by fishermen, and fishermen would often use two boats together in tandem to help with the work of fishing. And at the time Jesus is preaching, the text tells us in Luke chapter 5, they were busy washing their nets. This is the typical practice fishermen would use in the first century, that they would fish during the night, and in the morning they would come ashore, they would wash their nets, and as they would wash their nets, you know, taking out of the nets any pieces of material that got captured in them, they would mend the nets if they were torn in any way, and then they would lay the, me- the nets out or hang the nets out to dry. So at this moment in time when Jesus is preaching, these boats were reasonably empty. There was no nets in them. There was nothing else. It's just basically the boat. So Jesus stands in one of the boats, presumably the boat belonging to Simon, and he continues to preach just offshore. He speaks in the boat seated, which was the typical rabbinic posture for preaching. Now, this episode in Luke's gospel happens at the height of Jesus's ministry in the area. Note the popularity Jesus is enjoying, so much so that he has really no place to stand along the lake. And also take note that all of his preaching at least in this particular episode in Luke chapter 5, happens in earshot of Peter. They were nearby, cleaning their nets. They did all of this near the shore. So while the first part of this text in Luke chapter 5 is a separate episode, 
it sets the stage. Simon, who is also called Peter, has heard everything that Jesus has said. So the key passageway for us here is really about preaching. That preaching and teaching provide context and meaning. You see, the experience of Jesus is central throughout the Gospels. And while preaching is important, it has less value outside of experience. You know, so much of what we do in in the life of the church, whether we're gathering in person or online, focuses around the preaching or the teaching surrounding Scripture. And really, ultimately, preaching and teaching are only valuable when they lead us toward the experience of the holy or if it unpacks the experience of the holy. A preaching often is cognitive, it's informative, um, it's inspired at its best, but ultimately good preaching and teaching always points to the holy. It either leads us to an experience of God or helps us understand and process the experience that we have had with God. But make no mistake, it's the experience that's central, not just the sermon. At the heart of this text in Luke chapter 5 is this moment of encounter between Simon and Jesus. It, it's an epiphany of sorts. And the word epiphany is a Greek word. It simply means uh, the appearing. The shift in the text is subtle. Jesus finishes speaking in verse 4. And then he tells Simon to put out into the deep water. Notice what the text says. Now, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. This is an important shift because the crowds are gone. Jesus is in the boat. Simon is there because he's probably using his boat. And so this conversation ensues about what Jesus has asked him to do. Now, friends, there's no significance to the deep water here because this is where one would naturally fish anywhere. Those who fished along the shore of this lake did not fish in shallow water. There is no fish there. I've heard many a sermon over the years who've tried to find some deep meaning here, no pun intended, about what it means to cast their nets into the deep. There's no surprise here. The surprise isn't that it's deep water. The surprise here is that Jesus summons Peter to go out and to go fishing in the middle of the day. Fishing was a nocturnal business. Simon's response to Jesus makes total sense. Why would I go fishing right now? Because my nets are out drying after I fished all night. It's the middle of the day, and during the middle of the day, the fish are not on the bite. And I know this because not only do I not fish during the day, as Peter might say, but even overnight, the fish were not on the bite. It's exactly what what Peter Or Simon says to Jesus, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. And just for the sake of trivia, the fish that happened to be dominantly within what we we biblically call the Sea of Galilee are tilapia, if you're wondering. Now, Simon, despite his better judgment, does exactly what Jesus tells him to do. Why? He does so because he's been listening to him. The context is important. That is, Jesus has been preaching and teaching. Simon has been in earshot of Jesus all day long. So instead of dismissing Jesus as some kind of 
counterintuitive, crazy, unsuccessful fisherman, Simon instead decides to go ahead and do what Jesus told him to do. So they put out into the deeper water where one would normally fish. And it says that even during the day, they catch so much fish that their nets began to burst. And so Simon summons their partner boat, the boat that's probably led by James and John, to come out and to assist them. Both of their boats are so weighed down. The catch they receive is miraculous. See, to common sense, this story makes no sense. And so this miracle, if you will, is an epiphany. And it's an image of the very call that Jesus is going to place on Simon. Now, more on that shortly. And so the key passageway here for us in this epiphany is this, that our common sense must yield to the counterintuitive and the uncertain. You see, common sense is built on a predictable sense of, sense of outcomes. We, we practice common sense because it just makes sense. But the life of a disciple is different. You see, we're called to follow where Jesus invites, even at times when it makes no sense at all. If the holy must conform to convention, then we have little in common with Jesus. But if we can live in deep relationship with Jesus, we're going to find ourselves called into surprising and unexpected situations, filled with all sorts of things that make no sense, make no common sense, that are filled with uncertainty, but it's in that space where outcomes are not known, where things are not predictable, that God sometimes does the greatest of works in all of our lives. The preaching of Jesus, this epiphany that has been experienced by Simon while they're fishing in the middle of the day, leads to a moment of call and response. So when the hall of fish come in, Simon Peter, and this is the first time Luke uses uh, this dual name for this individual. It says down in verse number eight, but when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Now be careful. The text doesn't say that he falls to his knees. It says that he falls to the knees of Jesus. Simon Peter throws himself down prone on the ground and says several things to Jesus. The first thing he says is, go away from me. Now, it, it's a signal that the, the divine encounter for Peter, he feels will ultimately be damning, that the closer the greatness of Jesus is to him, the worse that's going to work out for him in the end. Now, don't worry about where this happens. This story could have likely occurred on the shore after they brought the fish in. So when Simon says, go away from me, he's not telling Jesus to jump out of the boat and go swimming. It has to do with this sense in which Peter feels his unworthiness, his fear, his shame. This is a common response in the Bible to what's called a theophany. It's like epiphany, but theophany means an appearing of God. He has this moment of profound humility, unworthiness, fear, shame, that the longer he stays in proximity of Jesus, with Jesus, the worse that's going to be for him. The next thing he says is a single word. It's Lord. Now, it's not just a simple title. The way this 
this sentence is framed grammatically is to try to help us understand that Peter now has a reorientation of his relationship to Jesus. He's Jesus is no longer some simple wandering preacher. He's taken on a different role within Peter's understanding. And it's a, an acknowledgement, if you will, of the, the very supremacy of Christ's presence. It, it's not simple sir. It's not a title of respect. It's the naming of Jesus in a fashion that reveals Simon's reorientation to who Jesus is. And, and then the final thing that Simon Peter says is that I am a sinful man. This is his affirmation that there's a division that exists between the purity and sanctity of Jesus as holy and himself as not being able to relate to him. He's Peter, in a sense, is affirming that there's some kind of barrier or division between he and Jesus. And he affirms that now he has someone in his presence who is totally beyond him. Take note that Jesus does not correct this posture by Simon Peter, but he simply dismisses fear. The posture's correct. He falls down. Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. But what Jesus does dismiss is the fear that Peter brings into that, that Jesus's engagement with him is an act of graceful love and a revealing of power and potential. It's not meant to somehow conjure a sense of fear or terror within Peter. And then Jesus says something very important after, do not be afraid. He says, from now on, you will be catching people. You see, the miracle of the fish is actually a typology. It's a foreshadowing, if you will, of what's to come. That Peter is not going to fish for fish anymore, that Peter is going to fish for people. And the way in which Jesus has experienced this episode is a foreshadowing of how Jesus, how Peter will experience this episode in the future as he's engaged with people. There's going to be abundance about this work. There's going to be so many people that it's going to push all the limits and boundaries that exist in nets and in boats, metaphorically speaking. It's going to be unconventional. It's not going to happen in the way that movements typically begin. It's going to be the same kind of work as fishing for fish, but it's a different catch now. And so it said, the text then says they left and followed him. There's a call and a response. Jesus issues the call. You're going to be fishing for people. And the response is, is that they pick up and leave. Now, Luke's version of the story makes much more sense than Matthew and Mark. Matthew and Mark, this story is grounded uh, outside of any context, that in Matthew and Mark's gospel, uh, Jesus shows up, runs into Peter, James, and John, tells them that he's going to make them fishers of people, and they just drop everything and leave. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense in that context, but Luke's story does. They've heard Jesus, they've seen Jesus, they've encountered him, they've engaged with him, and it's out of this total experience of Jesus, ultimately coming to this moment in the boat with Jesus, that they leave and follow him. This is the key passageway for us, that God calls us to make an actionable response. You see, the being of Jesus is not about the formation of, of ideology and theology alone. The presence of Jesus invites a set of actions on our part. We're we're a kinetic people. While the encounter with Jesus may certainly and appropriately form 
not only Simon Peter's thinking and reflection, it may form our own thinking and reflection, but it also must form our actions and movements. We're just not a, we're not a people of position alone. We're a people that do things, that respond in action, that embody things. Peter's response is the response of all God's people in a sense to Jesus's promise of discipleship that once we begin to get a vision of the abundance of what Jesus has invited all of us to be a part of, then we will respond wholeheartedly by going, not just giving Jesus intellectual or even emotional assent, but that we'll go and do the very work that Jesus has called us to do. That's it for this week. I bid all of you grace. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.